like I'm not here just to make music for the sole purpose of making music, you know, like there really is something very spiritual and and soul bearing about this thing that we do. And so I am selective, I'm intentional, but that's always what's like at the forefront of my mind. It's not even in the back. It's always at the forefront. Like, make sure that what you're doing has purpose. Otherwise, what are you doing? I could be working anywhere, you know? Welcome back to Not 97. On today's episode, we sit down with rising R&B artist Fauna Hughes as she visits New York, fresh from London, in the midst of her first ever international headlining tour. We talk through her childhood and performing music with her siblings and their family band and how she still keeps her family close and connected to her music. Fauna speaks on exploring different forms of creativity from learning guitar to dance to musical theater. Plus, how her career and confidence has changed since getting co-signed by Tyler, the creator, and featured on I Thought You Wanted to Dance from Call Me If You Get Lost, amongst more, live from the studio and brought to you by The Orchard and Human Resources. This is not a podcast. This is not a radio show. This is Not 97. Enjoy. Fonna Hughes. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Not 97. Thank you. Welcome to New York. Thank you. Welcome to the Orchard. How are you feeling? I feel good. I thought I was going to be jet lagged today, and I'm not. I like woke up, took a Pilates class. You, you know? took a Pilates class this morning. I did. Wow. I did. Where did you fly in from? From London. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we got in. We probably got in at like three, but you know customs and all that. We didn't get out the airport till about seven. Yeah. But. We're here. So fresh off of the your first headlining European tour, mm-hmm. how did it feel? Honestly, I don't have any complaints. Like I love Europe so much. London was great. Amsterdam was great. Paris was great. I cannot wait to go back. Like yeah. the energy is just different. And it's also like, you know, in different corners of the world, knowing that people know your music and like came and show up for you is just something very, very, very special. Yeah. yeah, this is your first headlining tour, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that energy is different knowing that, you know, it's your name on the marquee, they're there for you? Yeah, the energy definitely is different. Like I've been honestly blessed enough to like open for three amazing artists in this past year. I got to open for Ravina, I got to open for Snow Allegra, and I got to open for Giveon. The only difference is that like when you're opening for people, as exciting as it is, you know, because it's way more people in the audience and all that stuff you still have to convince sometimes you got to convince the people that like you're in a spot for a reason you know what i mean like i'm opening for a reason i make good music because people don't know you yeah which the discovery can be fun like watching people discover you can be fun but it's also really 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 cool to come like do my makeup get ready and know that like there's people downstairs who you know spent money to see me like that's crazy because i've been on that you know in the audience doing the same thing yeah yeah you're in the green room you're like that artist is out there warming up the crowd for me (laughs) yeah no it's fun though (laughs) honestly having like people support is really really cool like the girl who supported for me her name is ethel she supported me in in paris i didn't know her like i didn't know her at all but like her energy was just so so good and then also a girl named Ellie opened in in London and I just found her like in a piano bar. Like my friend was doing a show and like she was playing piano for another artist and she did one song and I was like, that girl can sing her ass off. Like, you busy? 
on um, wow. the 14th and <laughs> she wasn't busy. Wait, wow. Yeah, literally that. She wasn't busy. She came with a, um, she's in a quartet. So she came and yeah, they did like, they did the damn thing. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. We love we love a real life discovery moment. Right. Me too. Me too. I know that you've been performing music for a long time. Mm-hmm. Is that something that is very natural to you now? Or do you feel like you're still learning, you know, and getting comfortable as yourself on stage? I think I'm definitely still getting comfortable. I hope that that never goes away, though. I hope that, like, I always have a sense of, you know, like a little nervousness every night because it keeps it fresh and it keeps it new. But I, I, I now know that like I can do this thing, like I can do this job. I don't get the nerves where I'm like, oh my God, am I going to crack? Cause I'm like, if I do, I got another song, I'll be good. You know, <laughs> like I'm okay when it comes to that. But I definitely, I, I always want to keep that freshness and like it feeling new. That's why I love stage. Like I, I did musical theater when I was younger and the excitement and the thrill of it for me was that like every night really can be something completely new if you let it. Yeah. Mm. I know like, uh, you, you know, you did musical theater as a child. You also played in a a group with your siblings. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you knew was like a unique special thing when you were a kid or you were just like, oh, this is what life is. And looking back now, you're like, wow, not everybody has that childhood. That's interesting. I definitely have friends who also like, you know, grew up playing music and things like that. But at the time, no, like I... Me and my family, we were like the only ones that did that on the weekends, not even on the weekends, but, you know, every weekend, like we would have a show or we would be performing somewhere or doing something. And I didn't realize it at the time until I got older and started meet, I, like when I started meeting other people who did it as well. I was like, dang, like I really didn't have no friends that were doing that. Like we were in Girl Scouts together, like we did ballet together, but I didn't have any friends that also like made music until I got older. Yeah. And then, you know, I I think a lot of those stories of, of children in bands, whether it's with siblings or just as child stars are sometimes like, they're not always the best stories. Like (laughs) I wonder, was that like a stressful thing for you and your siblings or was it a pretty Um, positive experience? It wasn't stressful. I like, we all liked doing it. So it really wasn't stressful. And luckily like I didn't have, my parents weren't desperate for that. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they did want us to be like the Jackson five, but that was just because they were like, Oh, my kids got it. Like, you know, they believed in us like that, but it was, I never felt it being a thing that was forced. As soon as we didn't want to do it anymore, we just didn't do it anymore. And no one had an issue with that. I played violin and I played guitar, played violin for like nine years as a child. And then I played classical guitar too. And I remember like I stopped my teacher, my guitar teacher, I stopped liking him a little bit. And as soon as I told my mom that, she was just like, well, if you want, we can find a new teacher or you don't have to play anymore. And like, she just gave me the freedom. She trusted that I wasn't quitting for, you know, just because I didn't want, like, you know what I mean? I didn't believe in myself. She trusted it was just like, I'm ready to move on from this thing and explore new things. And it was the same way when we decided not to, to be in the family band anymore. Like it was like, we're getting a little too old. Okay. <laughs> we don't want to sing these songs that y'all wrote for us, you know? And like my brother, he was a rapper. He was really writing all the raps. And then my mom and my, well, really my dad and my stepdad were like writing the songs. And we were just like, no, I think we kind of want to like do something else. Like my sister started cheerleading. 
I got into student government in school. <laughs> like We just started doing other things. And yeah, it was never forced, though. At what point did you feel like I can do this on my own as a solo act and like start towards that path? Well, I like I don't know how my mother did it because there's so many of us, but I was always into a million things as a child. Like I played flag football. I danced, but like dance, dance. Like I had, I remember one year I was taking what, like I think seven or eight dance classes a week. I was in Girl Scouts. I was in student government. I was always doing so many things and music was still always a constant. I played violin. I played guitar and I always wanted to sing. I just didn't have the confidence in my voice at the time. And then YouTube came out and LimeWire and things like that. And I would just like go home and, you know, you have like one computer like at home that everybody uses. I would go home after school, after all my activities. And like I was so dedicated to just finding what my voice sounded like and just kept practicing, kept practicing until I sounded decent to my own ears. And then I did a talent show, which is so cliche, but I did. I did a talent show at my school and I like forced my friends to sing with me because I still wasn't 100 percent confident. What song did you sing? We sang Unappreciated by Cherish. <laughs> and we did. And I sang I sang a verse. My friend Jasmine sang a verse. My friend Joy sang a verse. And like at the talent show, we did the thing. I was nervous, whatever, whatever. Then afterwards, like one of the teachers came up to me and was like, you know, like you can really sing. You didn't need them if you didn't want to <laughs> have them there. And that's when I was like, OK maybe I can actually do this thing. And I just never stopped, like yeah. never stopped singing. I also know that like growing up, you had illnesses that, that strained your voice. Mm -hmm. And I have read something that you said about your mom, like making natural concoctions and stuff to help heal it. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was interesting because I think that a lot of, a lot of artists, it takes them to get to a point where they're touring very often and, and or in the studio a lot when they have to start thinking about like vocal treatment. Mm -hmm. But you kind of had to think about that at a way earlier age. Yeah. I mean, even now, like my voice can leave me from just talking a little too, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's still very, very fragile. Yeah. I wonder um, how you approach like the thing treatment. I mean, I need to be a little better, but I, I still like, I'm very cautious. Like if I, if I feel like I'm, my voice is getting tired or I'm straining it too much, that's it. Like I'm done regardless if I have like a session the next day, whatever it is, especially on tour. Cause I'm like, I can't, if I lose my voice, it's gone like for a minute, you know, like it'll be gone and I'll, I'll try to gain it back, but it won't be at its full potential for like a month or so, you know? So I just have to be very, very diligent about like, what I'm using my voice for and not take it for granted and stop playing with it. That's why I'm not, I don't drink no alcohol. I'm lying. I do <laughs> drink alcohol, but I'm not doing any shots until summertime. Cause I'm just like, I got too much to do. Like give me a glass of red wine and I'll go to bed or give me some white, white wine or some rosé or whatever, whatever. I can't. Yeah. The harsh alcohol, it really be biting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> Get too old for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I need to chill. Also, my voice is like really making me sit my ass down. Like, no, no, you don't need it. It's humbling. Mm hmm. Humbling. I also know that you've spoken about doing workshops and programs when you were in high school mm -hmm. at a penitentiary. 
and like doing very purpose driven work with your music and that being like a big part of how you approach your music. And I wonder like how, how that kind of fits in nowadays when you think about like purpose driven work as it relates to art. I think that, or not even, I think that because like, that's the background that like I came from and the way that I was introduced to to music as as a means of like survival and and uh, like artistry being the way that you can make a living. I, I'm just very selective, or I try to be. Like I I keep saying like I don't want to, like I'm not here just to make music for the sole purpose of making music. You know, like there really is something very spiritual and and soul bearing about this thing that we do. And so I I'm selective. I'm intentional. And I could practice it even more than I do now because I also like, you know, when you're just just starting out at like a certain level, there's so many opportunities and you want to take them all. You want to take them all, but you don't want to drain yourself to where you have nothing to give and like to pour into your own artistry. And so I've been trying to find that balance. But that's always what's like at the forefront of my mind. It's not even in the back. It's always at the forefront. Like make sure that what you're doing has purpose. Otherwise, what are you doing? I could be working anywhere, you know? Has that kind of being very meticulous about the way you think about this? Is that, that's been like there from the jump? It's been there from the jump for sure. That's why like my, my first project Hughes and the first music video that I put out for Hughes, like my entire family is in it. I just wanted it to be very clear, like the, the things that I value and who I value so that there's never like a question or no room for doubt. Yeah. I mean, even like, I I think I see what you're doing with Hughes and then Flora and Fauna. (laughs) Um, It's you're, you're like building a world beyond just like, like Mm -hmm. within Yes, they're like plays on your name, but they're also creating a special world Mm -hmm. for your music to live in and and for your audience to live in. Yeah, it's an entire ecosystem. I mean, I keep saying now, like I have been doing an accidental trilogy that I didn't realize I was doing. Yeah. But like the through line to me is very prevalent. Like it's right there in your face. And I it's like coming of age, you know, like I'm in my late later 20s now. And so I'm in my later ones, but, um, I, I'm just starting, like, I'm, I'm reaching like a new level of maturity. I feel, I feel like I'm coming up to it. I haven't like fully reached it yet. I still do things that I'm like, girl, but the through line is like, I'm just documenting that journey. Yeah. I don't know that I'll ever actually get there, but I do think that like with the next project that I'm doing it, I will like close the chapter on this adolescence. Cause I can't. Uh-oh, not a baby no more, you know? I think that, honestly, I've had a lot of conversations with both artists and just friends and stuff recently about, like, I turned 30 last year, mm-hmm. and about that, closing that chapter of yeah. the later 20s chapter mm-hmm. and perspective changing and priorities changing. Right. And so it makes sense that, like, your next project would be that yeah, the I feel like it's the end of the trilogy. Yeah. We don't need to be a four part. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I'm definitely going to like wrap it up. But naturally, like I didn't realize that I was even doing a trilogy until I started like writing out what I want to talk about and like what I want this project or what this project means to me that I'm working on right now. And I was like, oh, this is growth from Hughes slash growth, growth from Flora and Fauna. Like, you yeah. know, like. Is it growth though? That's the thing. Like I'm still, I still deal with the same issues, just different perspective when I'm like approaching them. Yeah. That's growth. 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You mentioned like your music videos and, and being very deliberate about your visuals and who's represented in them. Mm -hmm. And so I guess like, um, I, yeah, I mean like it's been from the first video when we, when we played your music on 997, the first time we played Icarus Mm -hmm. and watched the video and it was very clearly like, this is who you are. And I I think is your family in that video as well. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. How many, I have uh, four sisters in that video. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How important is it for you to, like have that have you like have your community represented in in those visuals well it's really important also though because my my siblings a couple of them still like are in arts so like I have a sister my sister Kaba like we write together she wrote on bad bad she wrote on layup I also have a sister who is an artist and she wrote on float and they also dance like they dance with me so like I just like I I always want to to give credit one words do but also be very clear that like as much as like we as artists like to think that like we're islands and like we're doing this thing there's always so many people behind the person that you see you know what I mean and I don't want to be shy about that especially because they're my sisters like I am them they are me and like they're my family so I wanted to be intentional and like sharing them and like just give them spotlight like you know my sister Kava's a comedian she's a writer but she also can write songs you know and uh, I don't I don't ever want like if I got a platform they're gonna be on that platform too yeah yeah hell yeah Mm -hmm. so you dropped your first project in 2020 yes you dropped your last project last year yes mm-hmm. and in 2021 there was a you were on tyler's album <laughs> big there things happened uh-huh. i wonder like what was that shift like for was there a shift there what was that shift like for you even personally or professionally oh it definitely was a shift like i one i I never go to a session now where people don't ask me. So how did that, how did the Tyler thing come about? Or have an interview where people don't ask me how it came about. But it was just such a good like head nod and like, like such a good cosign. And, and you know, like he really extended an olive branch. Um, yeah. Cause I didn't, I had two songs out when he found me. So like professionally, it definitely, like it has helped me, but also helped my confidence just period. Yeah. You know, like I, I say, that like when I went to the studio with him and cause he already had the lyrics written when I got there and he was being modest, which is so funny. He was like, this is, he's like, this is some mid, like it's a mid <laughs> and played the song. He's like, it's all right. And I'm like, like looking at him, cause I brought my sister to the studio with me. I'm looking at my sister like, girl, this is great. Ain't it? And then like, he already had everything written. And so when I, I went and I actually went in the booth and sang it, he just gave me freedom to like sing it any way that I wanted to. And like we found the way that it worked best. Like we tweaked tiny words just like so they could sing better, whatever, whatever. But the fact that he gave me the freedom to just like go in the booth and go crazy was like such a confidence boost. And I needed it. Like I needed it at the time. I need it now. Like sometimes I still listen to the song like, oh, I did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that, you know. Yeah, it has, it really has been wild. And he's so sweet though. Like I still text him. I text him all the time. And like, he's always sweet and like always is encouraging when I see him out. Like I needed that confidence boost and I needed it from somebody from LA and somebody who was a tastemaker, somebody who I look up to, who has really changed like this whole music thing, like forever, you know? 
Yeah. So it was a the ultimate head nod to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's interesting also like talking about Tyler, but I also know that you have some aspirations of like scoring. Yeah, that would be so cool. <laughs> um, is that still something you're pursuing as well? I really loved Patrice Russian for a while. And like I saw that I can't remember if it's I can't remember exactly which award show she was scoring, but it was like a big award show, like the Golden Globes or like the Oscars or something like that. And that was like when the seed first got planted in my head. Like, ooh, like that's a whole nother thing, you know, like scoring yeah. award shows. And then I was like, well, dang, like maybe I could score like a movie or something like that. And that's why my music is so cinematic. It came from that, like just being like, oh, I want I want the music to be its own world and have its own life without me being on it, without my my vocals on it. And yeah, I do want to I still want to score one day. I got to learn, though. It's yeah. like it's a whole nother beast. Yeah. So I got to be a student to that. Speaking of cinematic, I know you also have pursued acting. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you're actively? Yeah, I'm still actively. I just saw like a couple movies or a show, a show and a movie that I auditioned for that are coming out soon. And I was like, dang, but it's like <laughs> perfect timing, yeah. perfect timing. I don't, I don't believe in rushing anything anymore, you know? Cause I used to also be young and be like, if I don't pop by the time I'm 18, it ain't going to happen. And then nothing happened. No one listened to my music till I was like 25, yeah. you know, like everything is in divine time. What is it about acting that, attracts you as like a creative outlet outside of music? Well, music is very, very, very personal for me. Like I write about things that like I wouldn't normally talk to even my homegirls about. And I feel like with acting, I get to step outside of myself and still be personal, but it's not me. You know what I mean? Like it's, you find yourself in characters and you find yourself in the roles that you play, but you still also can like, close the book and be done as well. So there's an appeal there. And then just just overall storytelling. Like I said, I came from musical theater in high school. And then before that, I did a little musical theater too. And it's just always been something I really, really wanted to do just to tell stories and like reach people in different mediums of this art thing, yeah. you know? You never write your own songs in different character? No, I mean, not a different character. I definitely, character, I definitely have though like, pulled from my homegirl stories before just because they like we all go through the same things for the most part but it's yeah. like specific things I definitely have pulled from but no I never mm -mm. get the alter egos popping I haven't done that mm -mm. Yeah. nope <laughs> it just be me alright well to play us out we'll play one of your songs okay so you get to pick any song that you would like Hmm. If you can introduce it, maybe tell us why you decided to pick it. My name is Fauna Hughes, and you guys are about to hear my song, Float. Float was a song that I had to come back to. It was going to be on Flora and Fauna, and then I shied away from the story that I was telling. Didn't want to admit that it was true, and then I couldn't shy away from it anymore, and it became very, very apparent that this is what I was going through. So enjoy Float. You left my love like summer And bruised me in the worst way